It's great to see you this morning. I hope that, uh, hope that you're having a, a great weekend. It's um, so fun to be together and to, to, worship, to worship God in this place. Well, before we jump in, I just want to mention uh, two things to you before we get to our series and our text for this morning. The first one is uh, really just for our Brookside family. And so if you're a guest here with us, you can kind of tune out here for a minute. Um, but if Brookside, uh, if you would call this place your church home, I wanted just to give you an update that year to date, we're falling a bit behind on our budget. Uh, we had that snowstorm, as you remember, not a rainstorm like today, but a snowstorm in February. And so we missed a Sunday, and we just haven't uh, caught up, and we haven't met budget well since then. And so I wanted to let you know that, particularly as we approach the summer months, we would love to get on track um, before summer hits. In the 14 years that I've been at Brookside, I've had the unique privilege of getting Pastor Steve's long-term perspective and, um, and even in the 14 years that I've been here, I've seen it again and again, too, that God is so faithful to us. All, I mean, we just see this again and again and again, that God continues to provide for us. But we just mentioned that to you this morning so that you could just prayerfully be aware of that, take note of it, and um, if God would move you to, um, to help us kind of get back on track, um, that would be great. Again, we'd love to correct that course as quickly as possible as we, uh, as we approach the summer. So, so thanks for taking note of that. Uh, secondly, I wanted to share this um, with you. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last weekend, and I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it this morning. We talk uh, around here a lot about investing and inviting. We talk about how much of a privilege it is for us to be able to have different people in our lives that we get to invest in their life. We, we get to care for our friends, our, our neighbors, and our coworkers. And then at the right time, as God moves, we then get to invite them. We get to bring them along with us. And as you know, uh, two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter weekend. And so between Good Friday and Easter, this is the cool news, we saw over 2,800 people come through these doors. And for our church, that was one of our record Sundays. And so we're just so excited about that. What's, what's, what's exciting is when you think about each person that walks through the doors and you think about how much God loves them and how much God cares for them and how much God wants them to know Him, oh, it's motivating. Um, I can't tell you how much fun it is to be a part of a church that we look beyond ourselves and we care for those uh, in our world. Um, it also means this, and this is exciting, it means that many of you, um, maybe you've been carrying around the name of somebody and you've had it in your wallet or your purse or you've got it on your mirror, and you've been praying for that person, but it means this. It means that you took a risk. And so we just want to say to you, way to go. Um, what a blast it is to be a part of seeing God and hearing the stories about how God is revealing himself to different people. So uh, way to go. Be, be so encouraged by that. We're so excited and so thrilled to be a part of what God continues to do in our midst. Well, today uh, we're in part two of this three-part series that is taking us through the book of Second Peter. And before we jump into that, I just wanted us to go to the Lord and pray and just say, Lord, would you, um, we come to you with open arms and we're just asking now, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you, would you lead us this morning? So would you, would you pray with me? And then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we think of um, uh, who you are and the greatness of who you are. We worship you this morning. Lord, we think of the, the different needs that we have in our lives individually, and then we think of even as a church, and Lord, we just, we trust you, and Lord, we just, we ask you to continue to provide for us. Uh, Lord, this morning as we turn our attention to Second Peter, 
Um, Lord, these words that you have preserved and you want them to impact us, Lord, we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us today. Um, Lord, help us to walk out of here uh, in a changed way today. Lord, would you reveal, would you speak to us in this place? And so let me even just invite you to offer that invitation to God. Would you simply say to him this morning, you can just do this on your own. Lord, would you speak to me? So go ahead and do that now. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you that when we pray a prayer like that, um, you are a living and active God, and you respond, and so we pray that in Christ's name, amen. Well, in this series, we're looking at three different risks that you don't want to take with your life, Uh, three different risks, three different areas of your life that you just don't want to roll the dice in at all. Uh, there's certain things in life that it's, it's okay to roll the dice in. Maybe like where you're going for lunch today, what kind of toppings you'll have on a pizza. Um, you could roll the dice on who, you're gonna, who you picked for your March Madness brackets, right? Uh, by the way, Peggy King won the office uh, uh, tournament here, and it was so funny. She said to me this week, she said, I can't believe I won. She said, as I was going through and picking the teams, she said, all the team names sounded like football teams. And, uh, and she won, you know, and, and she, she rolled the dice, right? In certain things in life, it's okay. It's okay to roll the dice. But in other things, it is tragic. It is nothing but reckless to roll the dice in certain areas of our lives. Last week, uh, we looked at the whole thing of us not wanting to roll the dice, not wanting to take a risk on uh, remembering the power of God's grace. If you missed last Sunday, listen online. You'll be glad that you did. Pastor Steve began by describing Peter, and uh, Peter's the author of this letter, and I think it sets the stage really well, and I I think it helps us to understand the context of not only the letter, but also the unique perspective that Peter is writing from. I think when we have that, it helps us really receive and, and really apply the things that he will even say to us here this morning. At the time when Peter's writing, his perspective is very unique. He's in his upper 70s, maybe even his early 80s. Maybe you've got a grandparent um, in your life or had one at one point. And when they spoke, you listened. Um, because of their experience, because of their life, their words were um, impactful. They were, they were uh, weighty to you. In the opening line of this letter, Peter calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's what we know. Peter has seen Jesus. He's seen Jesus before he was put on the cross, and then he saw Jesus Christ after he was resurrected. And so there's no doubt in Peter's mind that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Peter has no doubt in his mind. He has complete confidence. In verse 16, he says this. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, meaning this, I can't deny him. I cannot deny Jesus, Peter would say. And you couple that then, you couple Peter's life experiences, you couple the fact that now he's writing from a prison cell under the rule of Nero, you couple that with his age and the fact that he's seen Jesus pre and post-resurrection, and what we get is this incredible gift in this letter that he writes to us, and particularly even what we get this morning in chapter 2. Here's what Peter knows. Peter knows that what we believe, it impacts everything. It impacts all of eternity. And so his goal, as he writes, is that that we would be the kind of people that we would stand firm in our faith, that we would be unwavering. Today we're going to be talking about this risk. Risk number two is this. It's the risk of believing lies. 
the risk of being not led by truth, but being led by what is false, the risk of not going down the right road, but being led astray by things that aren't true. When I was six years old, we were at a family gathering and at my grandparents' house, and I remember my great uncle, he said to me at that gathering, he said, you know, Jeff, I was six, he said, if you eat uh, plain horseradish, like if I take a big s- a scoop of it and put it on a cracker, he said, you'll grow up big and strong, and it'll taste really good to you as well. I thought, oh, that's interesting, great uncle. I, you know, I really like this guy. I looked up to him, and, and I was six, and, uh, and so I said, wow, really? Will you do it, you know? And he said, sure. And so he, he, you know, lathered up the cracker, put it in his mouth, no sweat, no problem. Little sweat, actually. And then I didn't cue into that well enough, though. And so, so then he said to me, do you want to try it? I mean, remember, you grow up big and you be big and strong. I said, well, sure, I want to be big and strong. So I took the cracker, I put it in my mouth. I'll tell you, I couldn't spit that thing out. I couldn't spit it out quick enough, right? You know what he did? He lied to me. Now, the ramifications were very small, right? The ramifications weren't that big a deal. I got a bad taste in my mouth. I despised my uncle for great uncle for a few years. Um, I hope he's doing okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But think about this. When Peter writes to us, Peter's saying, if you believe certain lies, the ramifications are huge. Uh, they're, they're, They're eternal. Peter's saying, I don't want you to believe lies. They're incredibly destructive. Maybe you've been told a lie before. And you know that when you believed that lie, it took you maybe down a career path, or you bought this or that, or it did something. It, it took you off track, and you know how destructive it can be. We tell our kids all the time, we say, hey, don't tell a lie. It's one of the worst things that you could do. Because when you tell a lie, you break trust. And without trust, there's not much, is there? Now, on the other side, when you believe a lie, it's, it's incredibly destructive. Some lies, they lead to minor error. Other lies lead to things that are impacting even for all of eternity. I think of how this really plays out for us today. If, you not, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you'd say um, you don't know God in a, in a personal way, a, a lie that you could believe would be that you can't know him, or you could believe certain lies that would always keep you from God. If you are a follower of Christ, you could believe lies. This is why this is relevant for us today. You could be lie, believe lies that keep you away from the life that God has promised for you. It could sideline you. You would miss out on God's best for you. And so this is a summary statement of Peter's words to us in chapter 2. You might, you might jot this down. Here it is. Since the stakes are eternal, take no risk in what you believe. That's what we're going to hear Peter say today in essence. Since the stakes are eternal, since the stakes are so high, they're forever, don't take any risk on what you would believe. And so as you think about chapter 2, it's primarily a warning. It's primarily, it's like we're going down the road and, and you just start seeing these signposts. Warning, danger, slow down. But even beyond that, and you'll see the emotion in this text, it's as though Peter is on the side of the road and he's like waving his arms saying, danger, slow down, warning, up ahead, don't, don't do this. It's a huge signpost to us. And here's why. Peter, again, he's seen Jesus. And Peter, he's nearing the end of his life. And Peter knows that eternity awaits him. And so as he looks at his future of eternity with Christ, he's looking at all these people and he's saying, hey, warning, you've got to be conscious of the lies that you could believe. One of the things that just jumped out to me this week, it's just this one word that Peter Peter said, but I I think it so captures his heart. 
As he's referring to his listener's faith, he makes this statement. He says that, that your faith, he calls it that it's, it's precious. Um, now think about what you do with something precious. I remember before I gave Christina her engagement ring. That thing, I, when I had it, oh, I took care of it. It was precious to me, right? You, you, you guard something that is pr precious to you. Peter closes the letter and he says this. He says, I want you to be on your guard. Because your faith, it's, it's not just all your faith. Peter says, no, your faith, it is, it is precious, it is priceless, it's invaluable, it's to be treasured. And so he says, don't be led astray. He writes this in verse 12 of, of chapter 1. He says, so I will always remind you of these things. He's unapologetic. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Meaning, and we read this in chapter 1, Peter, he's got this mindset, I am just passing through. He says, because I know that I will soon put it aside, this body, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. He says, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories, meaning that we didn't just believe anything. We're, we're not just kind of coming up with this stuff. We're not, we're not teaching you just kind of whatever when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter's saying this. He's saying, we've seen him. We didn't just kind of invent something so that you'd be led astray. Peter says, I can't deny him. And so what I'm going to say to you, it's not based on how I think or how I feel or my lunch. No, no. He's saying it's based on what we saw because we're eyewitnesses of him. And then he says this in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, but, and this is a transitional word right here. He's going to go from the landscape being very bright now to it being pretty dark. And that's where he's headed. He says, but there will be false prophets. There will be people that won't tell the truth. They'll be among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, meaning that they're going to tell lies. Her a heresy is not the truth. A heresy will lead you not down the right road, but down the wrong road. And, and these heresies, they're even denying the sovereign Lord, he says, uh, who, brought, who bought them. And then he says, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Peter's very clear. He says, even in, even amongst you, there's going to be false teachers. Now, this wasn't an, a new idea. In the Old Testament, there were prophets that came up and they said, God said this, but God never said it. And so this idea of a false prophet, it wasn't a, a new thing, a person that would tell a lie. It wasn't new at all. It's interesting. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul put it like this. He said, men will arise and they will distort the truth. And then Paul, he said the same thing Peter said. He urged the people, he said, be on your guard. And then he said to this one group of people, he said, for three years I've been telling you, be on your guard. He said, I even have said it to you with tears, knowing that what you believe, you don't take a risk on that. Its ramifications are way too strong. In our culture, one of the most common lies that you could believe is that there is no absolute truth. That you can really believe anything that you want to believe uh, absolute, the thought that there's no absolute truth might say, yes, it's true. Two plus two always equals four. It would say, that, yeah, we agree that if I, if I take my phone in my pocket and I throw it up in the air, it will, gravity will affect it. It will fall to the ground, always. But then you get to spiritual matters and it would say, you know what, though? There's, there's not absolute truth there. Everybody's okay. All, all roads lead 
to God. All roads lead to heaven. But the problem with that is that it's not, it's not biblical. It's, it's not accurate. And so what Jesus did, and Jesus did it out of incredible love. I mean, Jesus looked at the people, and he didn't want them to be led astray by lies. And so he said to them very clearly out of grace and out of love, he said, no, no, all, all roads don't lead to heaven. All roads don't lead to God. Jesus said, oh, please, please don't roll the dice on what you believe. And then he said, he said this. He said, I'm the way. Jesus said, I, I am the truth. And I am the life. No one, he said, comes to the Father. No one knows God, he would say, except through me. What's tragic about the belief that there's no absolute truth is you could have someone who's a very nice person. And they just don't want to step on anybody's toes. So they kind of pick the middle road and and they just say, okay. But the, the tragedy is it would lead them down a road that would impact them for all of eternity. And Jesus didn't want that out of his love and his grace. He said, no, 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 please hear me. He said, I am the way. Jesus didn't want anybody to say, you know what, I'm going to give my life to trying to earn good favor with God. Jesus said, no, no, please don't do that. Don't waste your time on that. Verse 2, Peter continues on and he says this. He says, many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. What he was saying there is this, and, and you might have even seen this in your own life. You've seen that there are Maybe people in your life, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was even one of your own children. And they, they went away and they began to believe a, a different system of beliefs and, and it just broke your heart because you saw that their, their beliefs led them down a different road. And, and it broke you. Peter's saying, many people will do this. And then in verse 3, he says this, he says, in, in their greed, these false teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. They'll they, they won't tell the truth. They'll, they'll make this stuff up. He says their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Meaning that God will judge those who are leading you astray. The judgment of God, Peter is saying, has not been sleeping. The judgment of God, it is not taking a nap, Peter is saying. And now you might say, wow, whoa, Peter, you're reacting very strongly. But remember, Peter's about to enter eternity with Jesus Christ, and Peter's looking at these people, and he's saying, I am going to get fired up. I am going to talk strongly about this because eternity is at stake. This is no small matter. The stakes are high, and so he lays it on the table, and I was thinking this week, if Peter wouldn't have done that, you and I would have looked at him, and we would have said, that was a heartless move, Peter. Why didn't you speak up? And so Peter, out of his love, he, he talks so strongly. Jesus, in the same tone, said it like this in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, well, if anyone, would, of these, uh, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, Jesus said, it would be better for them to have a large millstone. Have you ever seen one of these? They are huge, a huge stone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus was saying, there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. You don't want to roll the dice simply on what you believe. You don't want to roll the dice on the things that you intake and how those impact your thinking. And then he does this. In verse 4, Peter goes on and he gives us three different cases. And he says, okay, I want you to understand that these are how the things have played out in the past. This is how believing lies will play out into the future. Now remember this as we read this. Remember for Peter, remember for us. This is personal. This is personal because it impacts all of eternity. So Peter doesn't 
kind of take his foot off the gas because Peter knows this, later is longer. Peter knows that all of eternity is much longer than the here and, the, and, and now. And so Peter says, with that in mind, oh, if I could direct your thinking, if I could let you know and if I could remind you what we've seen and what we've heard. And so he says this, and this is like one verses four through nine. It's one long run-on sentence. It says this in verse four. It says, for, it is, uh, for if God did not spare the angels, the first group. He's going to talk about three different groups here. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, example number two, when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah. You're going to see this contrast. One group is, is not protected. The other group is protected. Uh, Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he uh, condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, example number three, by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, okay, so you got Noah, now you've got Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And then the last verse, verse 9, he says, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Now here's, let me just give you kind of a summary of this. Uh, what God is saying here is this, I'm not swayed by what is popular. God's saying that the majority might do this. So all of Sodom and Gomorrah might do this. Everybody in Noah's day might have done that. But God's saying, the majority doesn't rule. Truth rules. And so he's saying, if nine out of ten chase a lie, God says, it, it doesn't matter. If nine out of ten, if they flippantly roll the dice with what they believe, God says, I have to stick to truth. I'm a just God. We wouldn't want God to be any other way. Notice in these examples, though, it's the ones that stood alone. I think this is an important point. It's the one that, the, that stood alone that were called righteous. Lot finds himself in this Sodom and Gomorrah, in this uh, crazy, immoral culture. And it's just bombarding him, right? But what does he do? He stands alone. Then you get to Noah. Imagine what it would have been like for Noah. <laughs> Noah had to be just ridiculed after ridicule, right? But what does he do? Noah, he stands alone. I couldn't help but thinking of our students, you know? Students, you oftentimes, you have to stand alone, don't you? Um, it's commendable. Oftentimes, you have to stand alone. I, I saw this quote this week, and it, it, it reminded me of this, this, this whole idea of Lot and Noah. It says this. It says, a lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. And evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority. Let me just say to you. If you always fit in, let that be a warning to you. If you feel like, you know what, in all areas of my life, I'm like the majority. Peter, I think, would say to us, very heartfelt, he would say, take, take warning. Don't, don't, don't be comforted by that. Noah, and this was key for Noah. It says this in Genesis chapter 9. It says that Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people. And this is it. This is how he stood alone. If you want to know how. It says, and he walked with God. I love that truth. Noah, he stood alone, but he was profoundly not alone. 
Noah wasn't alone. Noah was walking with God. The reason that Noah was able to see, the reason that Lot was able to see, okay, that path versus this path. The reason that they were able to see, that's truth, I want that. And the reason they were able to identify, that is clearly a lie. It's because they walked with God. And so Peter's encouragement to us this morning is that we would stand firm, that we would not be swayed, that we would not walk alone, that we wouldn't be duped. Don't think that what you do with your life, don't think that the things that you take into your mind and into your heart, that they don't matter. Don't think that for a second. Even the majority, the majority went one way, but what did God make very clear in these verses? He made it very clear. It doesn't matter where the majority went. God said, you know what? I'm still going to do what is right. God judged them. That's the truth of this passage. And he's a just God. And again, you and I, we wouldn't trade that. We wouldn't want him to be any other way. I recently found myself sitting in the front seat of a, a state trooper's car. It was a very pastoral moment, you can imagine. And uh, he wasn't taking me for a joyride. He was asking me a question. And the question that he posed was, why were you going so fast in a double fine construction zone? And so I sat there and I gave him a very pathetic answer and, um, and then after a long period of time, uh, he did a lot on his computer. I'm not sure all what he was reading, but it took a long time. And, and I, I just kind of sat there and, and prayed several prayers. And, and, and then he finally said to me, he said, um, Mr. Dart, he said, I'm going to give you a warning today. Actually, I'm going to give you three of them. And I thought, oh, good, thank you, you know. Now, here's the deal. After that, he said to me, he said, watch your speed, will you? I said, yeah, most definitely, sir, you know. And uh, he said, I heard my wife laugh on that, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, true, yeah. We were so glad when we got back in the car. She said, what happened? I said, he gave you a warning. Yeah, we were like, that's great. Now, here's the deal. I had a choice to make in that moment. I could have heeded the warning and said, okay, I will adjust my speed based on the ramifications that could come my way. Because then he went on to tell me, he said, this is how much money I saved you today. And it was very significant, by the way. Now, here's the thing. I could have gotten in the car, pedaled to the metal, here we go again, or I could heed the warning. Here's the thing. Peter looks at you and I this morning. He says, the ramifications, he says, they're eternal. He says, don't you roll the dice on what you believe. Don't roll the dice on the things that impact your, your mind and your heart and your, and your thinking. Don't roll the dice. Don't leave it up for gamble. It's not worth it. It's reckless. A good question coming out of this text, I think, is this. Is what lies, blatant or subtle, am I prone to believing? Well, what would they be? On the one hand, I think there are blatant lies that you and I can believe. The, the lies that we've even talked about this morning, ones that would distort the truth. Ones that would maybe cause you on the, on the spiritual front to say, I can earn my way to God, and so I'll spend my entire life trying to fly straighter, you know, play a better game, get my act together, hopefully to impress him. I'm not sure if I will, but I'll find out when I get there. That's a lie. It's a destructive lie. Jesus would say, no, the truth is this. Don't spend your time on that. The truth would be this. Cling to Jesus Christ, and that's why we do it. And then our confidence and our hope is in him. And I'll tell you what, the truth, the truth is liberating. The truth would set you free, Jesus will even say. And then there's this other category that we can't miss this morning, I think, as we apply 2 Peter 2. It's the whole area of subtle lies. 
And subtle lies, I think, the ones that we can receive, I think they're maybe more dangerous even than the ones that are, that are really blatant. Let me ask you this question. What kind of things impact your thinking? You've heard the statement, garbage in, garbage out. That's a true statement, isn't it? I think we would all agree with that. It's easy, isn't it, to drift away from the things of God. It's easy to drift away from godliness, but it's impossible to drift towards God. No one ever says, you know what, in five or six years from now, no one on the drift ever says this. I'd love to be going through a divorce in a few years. No, no, people don't say, you know what, I'd love, I just, I'm kind of imagining myself being addicted to pornography a year from now. People don't say that. I'd like to find myself curled up in a ball in my bed because I'm so burned out by my, with, by my life and by my work. No one ever says, you know, 10 years from now, I hope I'll have some broken relationships with my kids. People don't say that. But by the things that they believe and how that impacts their lives, they, they drift. None of us would sign up for those things, but they're the norm. Subtle lies, what do they do? They're, they lead us down well-traveled roads that lead to destruction. So Peter says, be on your guard. Here's a subtle lie. I can do whatever I want privately. I can look at whoever I want to. I can click wherever I want to because it won't impact anyone else. That's a subtle lie. It's just, just me. No big deal. That's a subtle lie that will lead you to destruction. If I just get that, I'll be happy. That's a subtle lie that will lead you on an endless chase. If we get married, not if, but even this one, when we get married, he'll change. She'll be different. And all the married people said, nope, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> Next one, I really don't matter to God. This is a tragic lie. I really don't matter to God. I'm just, just a number. I mean, do you know how big the, the world is, how many people are on the planet? What a tragedy. That's a subtle lie you could tell yourself. I don't matter to God. You matter to God. You do. That's a lie. It's subtle. And so here's the question, I think. This is important. How do you know the difference between truth and a lie? How can you become a person that you would say, okay, this is truth and this is a lie? I want to close with this. There's this group of people that get this incredible compliment in the scriptures in the book of Acts. And they're being influenced by different teachers that are teaching them, right? And it says of these group of people, it says they were of noble character. And this is why. It says with great eagerness, when they were being influenced, as they were going through their life, it says that they examined the scriptures every day to see if what they were hearing was true. Meaning this, they didn't just go, okay, I received that and I'll let that impact me. Okay, it's no big deal, I'll just do this and, and wherever that takes me is great. No, it says they went through life and they were grounded. Basically, it's saying they, they saw it, they looked at the scriptures and they said, is what I'm thinking true? Well, what are my feelings being informed by? And they went back to the scriptures and it says of them they were noble. Peter closes this letter to us and he says, be on your guard. Be on your guard because, and, and, and he would say to us, and I would say to you this morning, the best way that you can be on your guard is to know truth, to know the scriptures. If you don't have a daily habit where you're just picking this book up and you're saying, God, would you speak to me? I want to say to you, you don't need to sign up for duty. That won't help you at all. But I will say to you, sign up for a meeting with God. That's appealing to me. I want to hear from God. He's so much smarter than me. I want to have him mentor me through my day. So I would so strongly encourage you in that. And I love this. In Psalm chapter 1, 
it describes this person who sinks into God's word, and it describes them by saying this, they're strong, it says that they're growing, that their life is producing good things, and that they're a blessing to the people that are around them. It's incredible. It's that person that says, you know what, I'm not going to just go through life hearing all sorts of other voices. I'm also going to say, what does God say? And I'm going to ask God, I'm going to open it up and say, God, would you teach me, would you teach me tonight? Lord, would you teach me this morning? Would you direct my day? I called a guy in our church who works for the Secret Service this week, and I know that he's been on a number of, of um, counterfeit cases. And, and, and so I asked him this question. I said, how are you, you trained to identify a counterfeit? And he said this. He said, the best way to identify a counterfeit anything is to compare it to the real thing. He said, to know the real thing inside out is the key. I think Peter would say to us this morning, if you don't want to roll the dice on your life, if you don't want to roll the dice with what you believe, Peter would say, know the scriptures. It's not a waste of your time. It's the best time you could spend here from God. Jesus put it this way. He says, while lies will hold you captive, while lies will lead you down paths you don't want to go, Jesus put it this way. He said, the truth, the truth is different. Jesus said, the truth, it'll set you free. Jesus said, I didn't come to give you life that's just average and mundane. Jesus said, no, I came and I, I speak in truth and, and I want you to experience life with me abundantly. And so we listen to Peter this morning. We say, okay, be on your guard, right? So let's do this. Let's, let's pray and um, just ask God for his help in that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for 2 Peter chapter 2. And um, Lord, some strong words that we read, um, but so impactful. And Lord, we just want to say this morning, we want to be the kind of people that it would be said of us. Wow, they are of noble character. Um, they don't just get influenced by this and that, but they're the kind of people that they search for truth. And that's the dominant voice in their lives. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the gift that you've given us. And uh, Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you love us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.